Hello everyone, this is Jim Lucy, Editor-in-Chief for Electrical Wholesaling and Electrical Marketing with the March 6, 2023 edition of the Today's Electrical Economy podcast series sponsored by Champion Fiberglass. The company began producing epoxy fiberglass conduit and fittings in 1980 and in 1990 developed the first conduit from epoxy resins that had flame resistance and low smoke characteristics. This met the most stringent codes and specifications. Today's podcast will highlight some of the large construction projects that broke ground or entered the planning stage over the past two months, and we'll check out the 200,022 preliminary year-end building permit data at the metro level to see which areas are still building at a high rate. We'll also check out some weekly economic indicators that can give you a sense of where the U.S. economy and the electrical market may be headed in the short term. These five weekly indicators are initial unemployment claims at the state level, rail freight car traffic, the Baker Hughes rig count, oil prices, and copper prices. Our thanks again to Champion Fiberglass for sponsoring the Today's Electrical Economy series of podcasts for 2023. For the week ending February the 25th, the advanced figure for seasonally adjusted initial unemployment claims was 190,000. That's a decrease of 2,000 from the previous week's unrevised level of 192,000. The four-week moving average was 193,000, and that's an increase of 1,750 from the previous week's unrevised average of 191,250. The U.S. unemployment rate for the month of January is 3.4%. The February rate should be coming this week, I believe. The following 10 states had the largest decreases in unemployment claims through the week of February 25th. We had five states with some fairly big uh, decreases in claims, and then five st- the other five states were fairly small. Kentucky checked in with the largest change in unemployment claims with a decrease of 6,156. California had 2,353. Texas came in at 1,562. Ohio came in at 1,326. And Michigan came in at 1,082. Under 1,000 in claims chains were Oklahoma, minus 664. Louisiana down 652, Alabama down 499, New York down in claims 411, and North Carolina down 384 claims. These five states had the biggest increases in unemployment claims for the weekend on February 25th. We had two states with claims over 1,000 and the other three were under 1,000. Massachusetts had a fairly significant increase with an increase in claims of 4,385. Rhode Island came in at 1,212. Under 1,000 in their claims increases were New Jersey up 614, Arkansas up 564, and the District of Columbia up 465. One of the more interesting leading economic indicators for the overall economy is freight rail traffic. It's a measure of the amount of raw materials and finished goods being shipped by rail. The best source for this data is the American Association of Railroads, which publishes data weekly at www.aar.org. Total U.S. weekly rail traffic for the week ending February 25th was 459,233 carloads and intramodal units. That's down 5.9% compared with the same week last year. Combined U.S. carloads and intramodal units for the whole month of February was 1,849,723, and that's down year-over-year 5.2%, or 101,452 carloads and intramodal units from February 2022. Total combined U.S. traffic for the first weeks of 2023 was 3,693,347 carloads and intramodal units, and that's a decrease of 4.2% compared to last year. As you can see, in the early going in 2023, we're seeing some uh, low single-digit decreases in rail traffic. 
In the press release accompanying the data, AAR Senior Vice President John T. Gray had some comments on the specific traffic trends in individual categories for the month of February. He said, coal and chemical and grain together account for more than one half of all non-intermodal U.S. rail volume. When all three are down, like they were in February, it's very hard for total carlos not to be down, too. On the positive side, several commodities, including crushed stone and sand, petroleum products, steel products, grain mill, and food products, show some very strong performances. If you track the oil market, you're probably familiar with the Baker Hughes rig count, which tracks the oil and gas rigs that are operating. The data is available by state, by basin, and nationally at www.rigcount.bakerhughes.com. This slide gives you an idea of the largest oil and gas deposits. It really gives you a good sense of just how many of the large oil plays are in Texas and Oklahoma, and how big an area the Marcellus gas region covers in Pennsylvania, Ohio, and parts of West Virginia. As you can see in chart, the nation's largest basin, the Permian Basin in Texas, lost four rigs during the week ending on March 3rd. However, the drilling activity in, the, in this basin is still up 13% for last year, with 39 more rigs in operation. None of the other individual basins had any notable change in activity for the week ending March 3rd. On a national basis, there's still 99 more rigs operating than this time last year, which is good for an impressive 15% increase. The current price of WTI crude oil as of March the 3rd is $77.83 per barrel, according to macrotrends.net. The average price of WTI per barrel for so far in 2023 is $77.60. Economists like to call copper pricing Dr. Copper because it's a leading economic indicator for future activity since copper is used in so many industries. The construction industry is among the leading markets for copper because of its use of wiring cable and copper plumbing pipe. Comex copper prices as of March the 6th is $4.07 per pound. They've gone up about $0.32 cents per pound since the beginning of January. The preliminary data is in for building permits at the Metropolitan Statistical Area, or MSA level. It's worth taking a look at because despite the national slowdown, there are still some metros that should be pretty busy this year. Let's take a look at them. The first thing that becomes immediately apparent in the data is how consolidated the overall activity is on both the single-family and multifamily level. In the single-family segment, the top 25 markets accounted for 47% of all permits, and the top 50 markets accounted for 63% of all permits. In the multifamily segment, the top 25 markets accounted for 44% of all permits. The top 50 markets, they accounted for 69% of all multifamily permits. Now let's take a look at the largest metropolitan area statistical areas for single family permits. Although all of the top 10 markets had declined year over year in 2022, the number of single family permits that each market had in, these, in 2022 is still impressive. The top 10 markets were the Houston Metro, the Dallas-Fort Worth Arlington Metro, the Phoenix Metropolitan Area, the Atlanta Metropolitan Area, Austin, Charlotte Metropolitan Area, Orlando, Nashville, Jacksonville, and the New York City metropolitan area, which stretches all the way through Long Island, uh, a bit of upstate New York, and on in through New Jersey and Pennsylvania. One thing that amazed me is when I took a look at the builders in the three Texas markets ranked in the top 10 pulled in a crazy number of combined permits, 111,331, which I think is incredible. Houston had 47,633 permits by itself. Dallas was also over 40,000, 43,409. Austin, 
had over 20,000 permits. You throw in San Antonio, which was a little bit through the list, they had 10,000 permits. That's a huge amount of single permit activity. And these four Texas markets together had the most single family permits than any other state except for Florida, which in total had 133,750 single family permits for 2022. You'll notice some familiar metros in the listing of the largest markets for multifamily permits. Houston and Dallas are near the top of the list, as are Austin and Atlanta. The other markets were, and at the top of the list, the New York metropolitan area with over 44,000 permits. We mentioned Dallas and Houston. Austin, we mentioned uh, the Washington DC metro. We also had the Atlanta, which we previously mentioned. You had the Los Angeles metropolitan area, Phoenix, Seattle, and Minneapolis. The one thing that I find while updating our database of the largest construction projects of more than $100 million in total value is that the sheer size of these construction projects sometimes will obscure the trends in the overall market. While many construction economists expect the overall non-residential construction market to decline in 2023, I had no problem finding dozens of large projects that either broke ground or entered the planning stage over the last three months that were in total for over $100 million in total construction value. Let's take a look at these largest projects, as well as some of the categories where the construction activity still appears to be quite strong. Here's 10 large projects that entered the pipeline during the past few months that were over $1 billion in total estimated value. There's a very large uh, passenger rail project being considered between Los Angeles and Las Vegas. It's Brightline West 218 mile high speed train that's gonna go from the Las Vegas to just outside the Los Angeles Metro. Uh, this one is interesting in part because Brightline also has done a major passenger rail uh, high-speed line in uh, Florida as well. Uh, this is not a little ways from actually breaking ground, I believe, but they, uh, there is some update information at www.sfgate.com. We had a large airport project, uh, JFK and other terminal breaking ground, $4.2 billion total construction value. Uh, as we've uh, reported quite a bit on these podcasters, there were a number of EV plants breaking uh, ground all over the country. The most recent is the uh, news that uh, the plant, and this was uh, plans announced in December, that Hyundai Motor and SNK were building a plant that valued at between $4 million and $5 billion in Bartow County, Georgia. Uh, another electric vehicle plant, this one in Jefferson Township, Ohio, at $3.5 billion by Honda and LG Solutions. We had a large mass transit rail project that broke ground, the ceremonial groundbreaking broke ground in uh, December of 2022, Metro North project in the Bronx. We had a very large mixed use project in Apex, North Carolina, a $3 billion, and that's RXR's Veridia mixed use project. Uh, Frisco, Texas, which has seen a ton of activity outside the Dallas area, had a December 2002 groundbreaking for the mixed mixed use development that's valued at about $3 billion. Uh, Burlington, Kansas announced a semiconductor plant in uh, February that should be good for $1.9 billion. And that's the third either semiconductor plant or EV battery plant that's been announced in Kansas over the past year. Uh, Sacramento uh, announced plans in, uh, in February for a $1.3 billion expansion of the airport there. Uh, Sandston, Virginia had announced plans for two $500 million segments of a Facebook data center. And that was back in uh, December, 2022. 
Also had another data center groundbreaking, this one in Elk Grove Village in Illinois, the Prime Data Center campus, which is a billion dollars. And in Memphis, a large expansion of hospital and office for the St. Jude's Research Hospital, a huge, huge employer down in the Memphis area. And that is both for a hospital and new offices. The construction permits were filed for that in February and 2023. We have seen a ton of airport construction over the past couple of years. And we just mentioned as the, in the total largest projects that I found the uh, JFK expansion, Sacramento's expansion there. Uh, there were also some fairly large expansion projects that uh, BWI Baltimore uh, expected to, it was construction was expected to start late in the year, $332 million expansion there. Uh, we have a expansion project underway in Spokane, $150 million at the Spokane International Airport. Um, out at the Fresno Yosemite International Airport, expansion project, uh, federal grant money for it was announced uh, in March, just a few days ago in March. That's $127 million total value of construction. And in Grand Rapids, Michigan, under, now underway, the Gerald R. Ford International Airport announced $110 million expansion. Uh, surprisingly, I also found some fairly large uh, office projects that were uh, either broke ground or some plans were announced uh, in Omaha, Nebraska, which uh, has seen a, quite a bit of exp uh, construction in the downtown area there near the old market and down and toward the, uh, the, the event center and the uh, baseball stadium. Uh, this one here, uh, a 44-story headquarters building, $600 million uh, broke ground in January. Uh, Milwaukee also has had a lot of activity downtown. Uh, Northwestern Mutual has announced a $500 million office tower and groundbreaking is possible later in 2023. Richmond had a, a fairly sizable project break ground in, two th in uh, January, according to construction.com. That's the CoStar Group corporate campus. Philadelphia, a very big project. I'd like to see this one uh, in February. Uh, it's at, on the Drexel University campus. It's a, quite a bit of things going to be built there. This particular project, the Sparks Therapeutics Gene Therapy Innovation Center, $570 million, broke ground in February. I believe there's some also some classroom and some other construction going on there right near Center City in Philadelphia. It looks like a really interesting and a very large project. Um, in Salt Lake City, which has gotten a lot of uh, notoriety uh, over the past couple of years for the uh, massive expansion of the airport there, uh, they had an office project there, break, uh, excuse me, entered the planning stage, the Granary Lab and Office Building, $211 million. Um, the other project of note, I couldn't get an exact contract, contract value for this, but New Orleans, something very interesting. It's the Industrial and Office Project within NASA's Michoud Assembly Facilities. I can't imagine what kind of work they're doing there, but it was it kind of caught my eye that both an office and a factory was going to be um, going to be built there in New Orleans. Apparently one of the bigger projects that that city has seen on the office side in quite some time. Kind of rounding out our uh, our look at some of the specific construction segments that there were, we saw the most activity in, uh, it was certainly data centers, which has been obvious. You've heard us talk a lot about data centers in these uh, podcasts over the last couple of years, and certainly they seem to be still gathering steam. Although I have to admit, I, I did I am starting to see more uh, reports from uh, the local communities where data center plans are announced that they're having some currents about the amount of water usage that they they these uh, centers employ, and that that seems to be an issue. Occasionally, I think I've even heard about some noise issues that people seem to be concerned with. Uh, we mentioned the two segments of the Facebook data center in Sandstone, Virginia. Also, we mentioned the Elk Grove Village. Uh, some other projects that I was able to find were in uh, 
Hill, Hilliard, Ohio, a data center broke ground in January uh, for Amazon, $515 million. Sterling, Virginia, which is right in that data center built, uh, belt uh, west, of, west of DC, Vantage Data Center for $500 million. Westfield, Massachusetts, data center there for $325 million. And in Illinois, entered the planning stage, a $275 million data center called the Illinois District Data Center. That wraps up our podcast today. I apologize. I know it's a little bit longer than usual, but I had a lot of news to get through tonight. I hope it was all of value to you. Uh, special thanks again to the folks from Champion Fiberglass for sponsoring this series of Electrical Economy Podcast for 2023. Please contact me if there's any other type of economic data you'd like us to cover in these podcasts. Our next presentation will be on March the 20th. Until then, hope you get your final four picks in. I hope it's be happy, be healthy. I look forward to talking with you in a couple weeks.